How about it? Being recorded by host. All right. Perfect. Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, your ass crack it on to your race fans, and welcome to a special, not so serious episode of Roland Race News. We're going to talk about some current events and issues going on in the racing world that affect possibly each and every one of us. After this weekend, it sure seems like it affected a lot more people than claim they don't than than that that claim they don't follow NASCAR. Boy, I tell you what, I am interested in seeing the ratings from Las Vegas this weekend. For any listeners that don't know me personally, I'm a huge Bubba Wallace fan, so you're probably going to tune out right here, unfollow, um, blacklist me from your wedding. You know, there's probably going to be some people mad, but I am a Bubba Wallace fan, but I also understand that people aren't perfect. And when it comes to a situation like this, I've tried recording by myself, and it either sounds like you're bragging or complaining, and I really don't want to do either, so I brought on a special guest, one of the hosts from the Front Stretch podcast. You can check him out wherever you get your podcast, Mr. Dan Taylor. Dan, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a long time. I needed to get some content out, and with so much going on in the racing world as far as news, Here's a shocker. Roland Race News is actually going to talk about a little bit of current events. Uh, if, for those of you who may have just clicked on the title of this because it mentioned Bubba Wallace, this is a small podcast out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and I try to cover the stories about the racers in the area. So I want to talk to the old timers who have quit racing and talk about why they loved it so much and how they got involved or the young people that are just getting into it. We want to talk about the stories in racing, so today we're going to talk a little bit, actually about mental health a little bit later on, but we're going to get started by talking about the Bubba Wallace-Kyle Larson incident at Las Vegas. Uh, this is probably going to post Wednesday morning, so things have cooled off. We got the penalty handed down today. One race suspension for Bubba Wallace, and Dan, I tell you what, a lot of people think that's too severe, and a lot of people think that it's not enough. Um, I kind of lay in the middle. Where are you? Where do you kind of stand on the issue? Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see to figure out where NASCAR's going with this penalty. Um, I always try to keep my head clear of the favorite boys and and Insider Network and Golden Children and that kind of stuff, and and just kind of look at it on the surface. Uh, we had a conversation earlier about um, kind of where NASCAR's been with some of these penalties and. It's tough to draw exact comparisons. Um, you know, the one that I thought of immediately when I watched this happen Sunday night was Carl Edwards and Brad Keselowski at Talladega. I believe it was an Xfinity Series race. They were both going for the lead. And to me, it was just as blatant that Carl wrecked Brad and sent Brad into the catch fence. Massive wreck. Uh, it was very scary. You can actually watch the clip on YouTube and, you know, it, it sparked. It was a continuation of a lot of bad blood between Brad Keselowski and Carl Edwards. Um, and Carl yeah. didn't get a suspension from that. No. I mean, the most recent suspensions that we really have to talk about are uh, Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano. And that was a deal. Yeah, it was under caution. But you had a guy that was getting ready to go a lap down who slowed down and waited for the leader to come by so he could, you know, yard sail in. And, yeah, that was the last suspension that we had. That was two weeks, and it shows premeditation. And 
you know, being a deliberate, deliberate incident. Yeah, Bubba intentionally hit Kyle Larson, but that was more of a heat of the moment lapse of judgment, which it's amazing how many kind of holier than thou people that we know within our own race community who have just never done any wrong, apparently. Yeah, and that's or how kind quickly of, they forget. It's kind of been the hypocritical thing that you and I have had the unique ability of the last couple of years that we get to watch these drivers work and 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 we love watching them work. Thank God for what they do. I mean, we we would be sitting at home turtling our thumbs on a Saturday night or a Friday night if it wasn't for what they do. But you watch him criticize Bubba for for being unsafe, and and you know I, I've watched several of these drivers wreck somebody else. Whether it was intentional or not, I'm not going to say that because I wasn't in the car. I don't know. Uh, I I don't know what was going on. I've had several drivers tell me in private, "Oh, I wrecked him on purpose." Absolutely, I sent him a message, and and now they're online criticizing Bubba Wallace for for being uh, reckless and and possible, you know, could be causing a lot of damage to to Kyle. And and I get that there's a little bit of a difference between a. Uh, a dirt track in a race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, but um, I, I don't think it's that much of a difference. If you're wrecking somebody on purpose, you're wrecking somebody on purpose, whether it's at Martinsville, Las Vegas, Talladega, or a, a local short track. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Wrecking somebody is wrecking somebody. I've I've seen people say, Wallace was trying to kill him. I, I don't think any driver is out to kill another driver. I mean, this isn't the movie Fever Heat from 1968 or Fireball 500. I mean, nobody's out to kill anybody. Racing is a passionate sport, and you see it a lot at the racetrack, whether it's on the racetrack taking somebody out or whether somebody drops an F-bone on, or F-bone? Yeah. F-bomb on the microphone in front of a 3000 person crowd. I mean, passions run hot around here and people have lapses in judgment. If nobody had a lapse in judgment, there wouldn't be any murders. There probably wouldn't be near as many DUIs. I mean, nobody's perfect. We're all human. And there wouldn't have been a fist fight in turn four at the 1979 Daytona 500. That's right, and that brings up another good point. Why is it that the NASCAR fan base wants drivers to have personality, want drivers to not back down, don't be taking no shit off that guy, Turek? But then Bubba Wallace does it, and all of a sudden, everybody's clutching their pearls or getting their Southern lawyer on. Oh, in all my days, I've never seen such a thing. What has our sport come to all of a sudden? Yeah, Bubba Wallace done ruined my NASCAR. I will. I'll say this. I I think that fans would be just as outraged if this was Kyle Busch. We have Kyle Busch, absolutely. And and I I guess as I was starting to say that, I I think I want to take it back a little bit. Uh, History dictates a lot of this, and and Bubba's had a little bit of a checkered history with his temper. Um, So is Kyle Busch, and Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch. Brad Keselowski, they've all made plenty of people mad to where if they did something like this, the majority of the NASCAR community would be calling for their head, just like they're calling for Bubba Wallace's head. So absolutely, I don't think this is a race thing. I think this is a person thing. 
And we've always yep. been like that with this sport. We it, people tend to forget that a majority of NASCAR fans hated Dale Earnhardt Sr. until 2001. Oh, hated yeah, the absolutely. man. I can't tell you how many NASCAR podcasts that I've listened to this week that, and this is gonna this is gonna be a little trigger warning, but a lot of people are comparing Bubba Wallace to Dale Earnhardt, be it in his super speedway abilities or the fact that his fan base is either love him or hate him. Yeah. You know, yeah. similar to a Kyle Busch, Dale Earnhardt. I mean, people get booed. Bubba knows he's going to get booed next week. He's going to get booed loud next week. Oh, no, he, he won't be there next week. He won't be there next week. <laughs> but he's, you know, it's this sport, honestly, would thrive a lot better if there was more Kyle Busch, Brad Kozlowski, Tony Stewart's I'm putting them all in the same bucket because they're incredibly passionate drivers. I think the true trouble this sport is having is people like chase Elliott. Yep. When chase Elliott wins the biggest race of the year and you're on the front stretch and that microphone gets shoved in his face and he says, Hey, you know, we, we did good day. The car was pretty fast. We had good car. And then, Three weeks later, Chase Elliott's racing and, and Denny Hamlin takes him out and, and they they put that microphone in his face. He says, well, it's a real shame. We had a good car. Could could have done a lot. I don't know why they got to drive me like that. He is boring. Boring. Kyle Busch, Bubba Wallace, Tony Stewart, Brad Kozlowski, they gave you sound bites. They were exciting to watch. You knew when they got roughed up, that's when you kind of sat up in your recliner and you're like, oh, 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 oh here we oh, go. It's about to get good. Yeah. It's, you know, we watch it at Eagle on Saturday nights when somebody gets pushed too hard in the corner and they get moved up the racetrack and you're like, oh, there's four lives left. There's plenty of time. We're going to see some action now. Oh, yeah. The guy's like, and, we'll show and you the I, whole seat, but you're going to need the edge. I fully respect the talent level of Kyle Larson, but he is vanilla. He is boring and it's, it's, it's so disappointing. The guy just got roughed up on the front stretch on national television and he fell on his sword. Kudos to him. I'm not criticizing him, but you think Tony Stewart would have said that? You think Dale Earnhardt oh, no. Jr. would have said that? Or senior? I mean, come on. The reason well, why let's... this is such a big deal is because Bubba Wallace is a polarizing figure. And dang it, we need more of those guys in this sport. I think you're absolutely right. Well, speaking of Kyle, the way that Kyle handled it, let's talk a little bit about the post-race festivity. Uh, again, anybody that knows me in person knows that I am not a proponent of people being on live racetracks. I mean, I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I kind of have to drop a name here. I mean, Kurt Merrill and I had a disagreement one night because I didn't want to walk out onto a yellow racetrack and it wasn't even a disagreement it was just uh we had to meet up later on because we didn't have communication and i had to say hey man you, you got to remember i was trained never to walk out on that racetrack if it's under yellow yeah. now i i don't know if my balls have gotten bigger since then i'm not as afraid of it now but i also am not going to step foot onto that thing without white pants and being extremely visible but that's that's a topic for another day uh, Bubba walking across the track and getting into it with Larson or 
attempting to get into it with Larson. T to me, it looked like Larson didn't want anything to do with that. I no. didn't realize that Kyle Larson was that short or Bubble was that tall. I know. <laughs> Completely I mean, agree. That's a, that's a big size difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, uh, it, that that was a that, that was a judgment mistake. And honestly, you know, I think fans are going to be a little upset with NASCAR not calling the Kevin Ward rule on that one. Um, I don't know if he was cleared by if race officials to get out of his car. They very well may have said over the radio, and there'd be there'd be evidence of it if he did. You're able to get out of your car. I think we like Dirk and I talked about it um, during the uh, the podcast this week that came out uh, on Tuesday. But there's three situations: you wait for a safety official to uh, allow you to get out of the car. You're cleared over the radio. Or if your car is on fire, you're able to get out of the car without permission. Other than that, you do not leave your race car. And this was a rule that was put into place after the uh, Kevin Ward situation, uh, what, six, seven years ago? Man, I can't even remember how long ago it's been. I just remember being at Eagle that night and hearing Tony Stewart just killed a guy. Yeah. Which obviously isn't. The, exactly the whole story so um, anybody that's been around the racing world knows that story and if not they have access to youtube they can figure all that out but i, I, I agree I, 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 you don't walk across the racetrack but that makes me wonder if that didn't actually play into the penalty because you think about a couple weeks ago uh william byron wrecked danny hamlin granted it was under caution and that seems to be a big asterisk in this that a lot of people are saying, oh, well, Bubba did it at full speed, which, you know, yeah, but um, an intentional wreck doesn't always result in a suspension. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm trying to pull up the penalty report on the NASCAR site right now to be able to see if the Kevin Ward situation did roll it, roll into anything. Uh, let's see. Driver Bubba Wallace has been suspended from the next NASCAR Cup Series Championship event for um, NASCAR member code of conduct violation. Uh, and then, by the way, uh, Ben Bashore, crew chief for for uh, Kyle Busch, is on a four race suspension. Kyle too. Larson. Oh uh, no, no, Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. That's, that's another thing that I heard today. NASCAR showed favoritism because. Bubba only got suspended for a week, but Kyle Busch's crew chief got suspended for four races. Mm -hmm. That's that's just total favoritism. Never mind that that's the same exact penalty that every other crew chief has gotten this year for a loose wheel penalty, or not a loose wheel penalty, but a uncontrolled wheel penalty. Yeah, and and let's yeah. also point out the fact that this has been a rule on the rule books for several years. If you lose a wheel. You're going to lose your crew chief and a couple of crew members for four races. It's the, the rule. The penalty is actually in the rule book. What Bubba did, there is no penalty attached to the violation. Yep. It, it, but, but this one with the tires and, and them coming off the cars, there's a penalty, a correlation, complete correlation attached to the, to the, to the, uh, the violation of the rule. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I just i I couldn't get over how that was favoritism when, you know, it's the same thing that's happened to everybody else that's lost a wheel this year. You don't have people 
quote unquote intentionally wrecking somebody every week. We've seen it a couple of times this year. Like I was talking about Byron and uh, Noah Gregson at Road America. He was involved in that. There's been some other moments that could have been called intentional. I mean, uh, look back to the clash at the Coliseum. I've, I've got two notes on Kyle Larson here. The clash at the Coliseum with Justin Haley and uh, they haven't gone to Phoenix. Have they gone to Phoenix earlier in the year? I think it was Phoenix where Larson came up the track and ran Chase Elliott into the wall. And then there was the issue of running him too wide at Watkins Glen. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Larson isn't exactly innocent as 90% of competitive race car drivers are. I mean, and he took ownership really of innocent. it. He took ownership yeah, of that. Sure Kyle did. took ownership of it during the post-race, the interview in uh, outside the media center. He said, I, I, moved an aggressive I took an aggressive line I knew he was going to be upset I tried it and yeah it didn't work he was huge he kudos. didn't blame Bubba one bit for being upset and that's again yeah, that's huge kudos to Kyle Larson for that that's the kind of stuff that I want more NASCAR drivers to be like it be drive aggressive but then understand, you know, it's again, Tony Stewart was my favorite driver. He's the guy that got me into the sport. He drove with an aggression level, but he also had a lot of. um, I don't want to say common sense, because then that makes it sound like I'm saying that these guys don't have common sense. He had a lot but, of racing sense, a lot of industry yes, knowledge and yes. insight. He would drive somebody hard, but he also knew uh, that's a little too hard. This isn't the spot to do that in, i.e. Kevin Harvick in that situation. You ever see Kevin Harvick back up so fast? No, not once. He saw two young drivers going at it, and he said, I'm going to let them take themselves out, and I'm going to get both positions. Yeah, we're just going to let these young whippersnappers do young whippersnapper things. And I think that's a huge part of it. You have age there. And you also have something that a lot of the fan base seems to forget that this sport has, and that's passion. I mean, whether maybe I've already said this on this recording, but whether you're saying an F-bomb into a microphone or intentionally wrecking somebody, that's all part of passion and split-second decisions. People in the grandstands don't realize how fast things happen on the racetrack and how fast things happen in your head when you're on that racetrack. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes they just happen to happen on national TV in front of millions of people, a lot of which you claim that they haven't watched in a long time. But, hey, that's one silver lining that I can take from this whole situation this weekend is, you know, it damn sure got some views and it gained some traction on social media. I would be surprised if Bubba Wallace wasn't still trending on Twitter right now. Oh, yeah. And by the I way, mean, looking, when's the last time? Go for it. Looking at the uh, ratings for Las Vegas, it was the first playoff series race this this season that had a positive playoff, uh, positive viewership from the same race in the previous year. Well, Dale, yeah. <laughs> I like so, the but, sound of that, man. I mean, it gets people watching, and we're in peak NFL time right now, yeah. which. Shows a good trend, which I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with the bubble. Maybe 
the the clip on ESPN made people turn around. I don't know, but that happened later in the race to where I don't see it affecting the results. I'm interested to see what Homestead does this weekend. If we see a big Ooh, uptick in ratings point. at Homestead, because now all of a sudden NASCAR is getting all this, this publicity. It's on Traction. ESPN. It's on Fox news. It was on my AP news bulletins that always just talks about Ukraine in the war in Ukraine. And they were talking about this fight with Bubba Wallace and, and Kyle Bush or Kyle, Kyle Larson. I'm interested to see what Homestead is like this weekend. I know one thing for sure. I'm going to be tuned in and it's on regular NBC. So all of the people that, you know, complain about not having cable or apparently what cracks me up is the people who say they don't have any internet to watch or listen to the race when they're on Facebook commenting about not having any internet to well, and, watch a race. Like, are you hanging out at the public library? Yeah. <laughs> and they don't want to, uh, they, well, I shouldn't have to pay for it. You're paying for it when it's on NBC. Stop kidding yourself. Yeah. Even if you're just watching on a free antenna TV, you're still paying for something. I mean, uh, people complain about electric cars. Well, anything uses electricity when you plug it in. So no matter what, you're going to be paying for it. Yeah, watching it on NBC on the antenna, that's going to be a little bit cheaper on your electric bill than a cable bill, but you're still paying for it. There ain't nothing in this world free, and there ain't nothing guaranteed but death and taxes. I hate to ask you this, but can you even watch anything on the antenna TV anymore? I thought I they actually, got rid of all um, um, an analog antenna signal. But okay. with modern day TVs, you've got your digital antenna signal. And I mean, I have 33 channels in my garage just based off an antenna. I think I've got like 16 in the house, but there's a lot more walls there to stop that signal. And just rub it in. Growing in, I had growing up, I had five. TV stations that was analog yep the crazy thing is i um i don't i don't want to go too far off topic but um you know that i was without internet for a little while when i was transferring providers so i fell into using my cellular data on youtube learning about digital and analog tv signals and how to make antennas out of coat hangers and shit <laughs> but i learned that they said that analog tv went away but you can still pick up analog channels. Not that very many people have too many analog TVs laying around anymore, but um, it is still available. People that claim that they can't watch the race on regular NBC must be living in one hell of a Herman hole. So yeah, if you want to watch uh, NASCAR Cup Series action and see what happens over at Homestead, I know for sure I'm going to be tuned in and I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. If you like NASCAR and you want to up those ratings and you have multiple TVs in your house, when it comes in for free, all you got to do is remember to turn that TV back off. I got three TVs in the garage and one in the house, and them are all tuned into NBC. <laughs> all right, we're going to change to a bit of a more serious note. It might uh, tie in a little bit with the Bubba Wallace deal. I've heard a lot of people mentioning mental fortitude lately, but... Let's talk a little bit about mental health. You and I being announcers, you know, we hear all these names of all these people that call races and we don't get to spend a lot of time with them, but it definitely hits pretty hard with anyone in the racing community when you lose one of your own. We lost Rick Eshelman a couple of weeks ago to suicide. And that is just, I was actually talking with somebody earlier today and 
I, I don't recall the line that they used, but I always remember what you say about that. And that is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yeah. And if you're battling with something, reach out to someone. Whether we're friends in real life or not, you can get my Facebook messenger or my phone number if you need it. You need somebody to talk to about your mental health. Reach out to me. Reach out to someone. Somebody cares about your plight and your story. A plight might not be the right word. I did not research it in Webster's Dictionary. So forgive me if that's the wrong word. But if you're going through something, <clears throat> somebody cares and somebody wants to hear about it. I can guarantee you that. It's amazing to me as a, a guy who grew up you know, on the farm and, and my dad definitely had the mentality of just rub a little dirt on it. You'll be fine. Absolutely. I grew up in the city and my dad had the same mentality and crying was weakness and talking about your feelings was weakness. And um, it's just, it's, it's been an uphill battle for the mental health community to get it through hundreds of years of training that if you cry, you're weak. If you talk about, talk about negative thoughts or, or anything like that, that you're weak. If you talk about it at all, you're weak when, when in all actuality, if you don't talk about it, it makes you more weak. It's, I mean, I, I still struggle with it. I mean, with all the stuff that we have going on, it, it's, it's easy for the blues to catch up to you. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, it's, they've caught up me the last couple of days. I, I was thinking about it tonight before we started recording that I, I kind of realized that I, that for some reason, the last two days, I've just been very negative and, and I'm, I don't like that. And it, and it, I don't know why. And I, I wonder if maybe it, it's a little bit of, of the emotional roller coaster that I went through this weekend with um, closing down I 80 speedway uh, saying goodbye to all those friends and family and, and coworkers and, and years of memory. And then, you know, going through the celebration of raising so much money for the Alzheimer's association. And I, I mean, it, it was a roller coaster of emotions this weekend. And I don't know if this is maybe just a, a dip of it all, but um, it's, it's tough. And it's, it, there's some days sometimes that I don't, I don't realize as quickly, you know, sometimes it goes a week, two weeks before I realize uh, you're in a bit of a, a depression right now and, and you need to kind of get yourself straight. You need to talk to somebody. And a lot of times, you know, it's, Whatever. Sometimes I just go out and I, I, I'm not even kidding you guys. I'll talk to the ducks. Just sit outside, grab a beer and just talk. And when I'm done, I feel better. And it's just verbalizing what you're thinking and feeling brings it to the forefront. And for some reason, you're able to process it better. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a huge thing with sometimes just taking the time to slow down and I don't know that I really want to say be with your thoughts, but have something to empty those thoughts into. Well, I mean, you talk about your ducks and I have the dogs. Luckily it's starting to get cold. So your dogs start to get a little bit more cuddly. And that, that's something, I don't know how you work, but a lot of times the depression that I deal with comes on when the weather starts getting cold or when it's real cloudy, you know, so that seasonal depression thing is yeah. real. And, like you say, with I-80 going away, raising money for the Alzheimer's, you're dealing with a lot of highs 
and a lot of lows all at the same time. You know, they say that certain things come in threes, but sometimes it all just compiles on you at once, whether it's good, bad, or a mixture of the two. And I mean, stuff like that can get overwhelming. And you, there's a lot of drivers that, you know, they, they pour their heart and emotion into this. And I know, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking a little bit out of turn, but I, I've never had a conversation about it, but I got to imagine Adam Golian feels it. That guy is just, he has such a big heart. And if I ever texted Adam and said, Hey man, can you do this for me? He'd do whatever he needed to do to get it done for me. He's one of those, one of the the few people in my life that I know I could trust at 3 a.m. to help me out. And I agree wholeheartedly. And he's, and him and I have had some very spirited conversations. We've always had good, good communication. We've never really had an argument or a, a, a fight or anything like that. I mean, we, we've not like you two have had on social media, yeah. which is the worst place to have these conversations. Cause if you and him just sat down and talked about what you guys were thinking, the body language, the tone would have changed everything, but in a text, it just screws everything up. But I know that, that he, he has got to feel some of those struggles because he puts so much heart and emotion into his car. And when he goes out and has a bad race and anybody goes on social media and says, Adam Golian's a shitty driver. That really, that's really, I, I think he's got that type of personality that it actually does bother him, even though he would never admit that it does. I think you're absolutely right. And, um, I hate to bring it back to Bubba Wallace here, but I look at the scrutiny that Adam gets on social media. Yep. Imagine that at a NASCAR driver's level. I mean, again, people got to realize that these are all human beings. We haven't figured out how to drive race cars with AI yet. Yet. But, I mean, everybody's human, and there's just really no need to talk shit on people. I was Really, really bad at that when I was younger. There were a lot of years that I thought that Adam Golian was just a total piece of shit because that's what people told me mm-hmm. about Adam Golian. And then you actually meet somebody and you get to learn how good of a person they are. Me and Adam probably aren't exactly the best of buddies right now, but like you say, that's, that's a guy that I feel like I could call at 3 o'clock in the morning if I ever truly needed help, and he'd be all over it. Doesn't matter what it was, and, and uh, you know, bringing it around—that that's kind of what you're talking about. If God, if you're, it's so hard to recognize it too. But if if you're having those negative thoughts or you're struggling with whatever you're doing, you're realizing that all you want to do is just give up on life. Maybe not end life, but just—I mean, I've had—I've literally had the serious thoughts of like, if I empty my bank account and just drive to Mexico and start fresh, could I do it? And that's not the best thoughts either. Giving up on the people you love. I mean, that's, that's, that's the same thing. And, and the people that love you. So it, it, if you're having any of those thoughts, yeah, reach out to anybody you, you can. And just, you got to be blatant about it. Cause sometimes people don't realize that you need help. Just say, Hey, I'm having a real struggle right now. Can we talk for a couple of minutes? Anybody ever sent that to me? I'd say, yeah, what do you, what's up? What, what, what do you need to talk about? But if somebody said, hey, are you free? I might not get back to that message right away because I'm so busy. But just make it blatant. Just say, hey, can you help me out? But if you don't want to talk to anybody locally, you can text or call. 
the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 8988. Just send a text message. And there are trained operators to be able to just talk to you about what's going on. You're absolutely right. There are people out there to talk to, whether there's somebody in your own friend group or somebody that you're comfortable with, or if you do need to make a call, somebody is going to be there to help you if you need help. And that's something, you know, we, we talked about our dads and just rubbing some dirt in it. I mean, I, I like to think that everybody's got somebody that they can reach out to and everybody has went through a struggle at times, whether it be a loss or a gain that people don't talk about how much gaining things can, you know, trigger highs and lows in your anxieties and depressions. I mean, can you imagine going from a $50,000 a year to a $150,000 a year? That's going to come with a lot of mental fatigue when you're making changes like that. I mean, change is hard. But you've got to do it. Yeah, and, and to the point that you were you were starting to make with Bubba, you know, he's in a rarefied air of people who just have an absurd amount of pressure on them. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is probably the person I think I've ever seen deal with high pressure situations better than anybody. And absolutely, on the surface, it looks like he handled it really well. You do a little bit of digging. He had some struggles with it at times because he was also dealing with the loss of his dad and, and all of the fan base that was coming to him and, and being a young person and not processing things right. Uh, Danica Patrick had to deal with it. I defend her to the nth degree and, and people love to call her a bitch and, you know, just said terrible things about her, but she had some situations that she hand, she may have handled poorly, but also people jumped on her a little bit harder than they should have because they don't understand what it's like to be a NASCAR driver to, to never from the second you get to the racetrack to the second you leave, have a moment of peace. You're constantly moving. You're constantly doing something sponsor obligations, uh, meetings about the car meetings with NASCAR, uh, introductions and media obligations. And you're, you're literally constantly going and it's I can't even begin to imagine what that is like to never been able to sit and just be by yourself and just be in your head because you're constantly trying to perform for somebody. You're absolutely right. And I mean, there are days that I worry about you because you're one of the hardest working guys that I know. I, much like a NASCAR driver, it isn't all just calling races on Saturday night. I mean. You bust your ass throughout the week. I'm not going to get into what you do, but I know you've got more than one, more than two jobs and chickens and ducks and all this stuff that you've got on your plate. But uh, shifting it back to racing, because contrary to popular belief, this is a racing podcast. <laughs> um, I think about guys like Kurt Busch. Think about how many people despised Kurt Busch 20 years ago. Yeah. And now that he's, making his way out unfortunately due to concussions and unsafe race cars which also has people a bit more up in arms than normal with this current situation but you think about kurt bush and how many people disliked him and think about much he how much he changed as 
his career path turned on. Um, Kurt Busch got fired from some rides. He said some stuff that he shouldn't have said and did some things that he shouldn't have did in those NASCAR compilation, intentional compilations on YouTube. I saw more than one that Kurt was involved in. And Oh yeah. He got you know, fired from several jobs because of his conduct. Yeah. Several jobs. And it, it it's amazing to see the kind of person that he is today. He absolutely he really did some soul searching and some growing over the last five years and and you know eight years or so because he i i he's one of the few people that i would not shirk at an opportunity to interview because i i would love to go deep and, and dirty with with kurt bush and just try to understand what he did to change his mental state Absolutely. I think that's a conversation that needs to be had. Uh, Dirty Mo Media, if you happen to be listening, let's do another conversation with Kurt Busch and talk about things like that. That's another thing. Uh, again, I can't stress this enough. When it comes to mental health, you've got to talk to people. Whether uh, Even if you're not depressed, it helps to talk. I feel like I bother the crap out of you and a lot of people with Snapchat or phone calls or texts, just trying to keep up on people because you know I, I want to check up on them and make sure they're all right. You know, yeah, got to have people in your life. Well, thank you. Uh, I sent you a message, but there's about two minutes left before we get kicked out. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we've kind of covered it again. I just wanted somebody to talk to about this because Again, it, it sounds like you're bragging or complaining if you're talking to yourself, and I, I just didn't want to do that. So I want to thank you for coming on and spending some time and talking about some topics in a level-headed way uh, in, in such a climate that we're in right now. You don't get an awful lot of level-headed people to talk to. But again, I want to thank you for coming on here and, and just chatting it up tonight. I hope I didn't offend any listeners with my thoughts or opinions. The views or opinions of Roland Race News do not exactly reflect the thoughts or opinions of oh, well anybody else. Well, I appreciate you let you have me come on the show. It's it's always fun to to jump on these and and talk for a little bit even though I get to do it on two different podcasts each week. It's it it's always fun to do it on other ones too. Absolutely, brother. Well, uh, for those that don't know again, once again check out the Front Stretch podcast wherever you find your podcast. That's where Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston talk about nascar and the local dirt racing throughout the community and the library pubcast if you're into whiskey and like sitting around bars talking about sports just having a good time with your friends tune into the library pubcast i'm james roland that's dan taylor thanks again for listening to roland grace news